Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach, and I am here with Turning to Him. I appreciate you tuning in to this interview with Jessica Rowland. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today and taking some time out of your Sabbath. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> um, give us a little sample of what you want to talk about, what you want to share today. Um, well, what I was thinking about sharing was a time that I had difficulty forgiving somebody um, and kind of how getting to the point of forgiving really brought me closer to the Lord. And I was able to see the miracles that he had placed into my life. Yeah. Such a timely idea and, and message, you know, with general conferences happening and the message from President Ilson. So really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, get us started. Get us some background on the story. Okay. <laughs> so this is the fun part where I air old grievances. But um, when I was in my late 20s, I had started to kind of date this one guy in my ward. And I remember feeling very strongly that I should not date him. Okay. And if you haven't guessed, I didn't listen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did try a little bit to kind of break things off. And then, but within a month we were dating um, and we were dating for about nine months and the relationship um, looking back on it, I can see how bad it was for me at the time. I think I just kind of had blinders on. I was like, no, it's okay. You know, like I was, in my late 20s, my family was worried I was never going to get married. <laughs> so I was trying to make it work. Um, but it was a really detrimental relationship for me spiritually and emotionally. Um, he was kind of a manipulative person. And I, by the end, I did not feel like the same person I had been at the beginning, um, kind of for the worse. Um, but I did eventually break off the relationship kind of. And, you know, he still wanted to be friends. And um, so we, it was like, we never stopped dating. Like we just continued and that went on for another few weeks. And then I thought the only way to get away from him is to completely cut him out of my life. And so I just stopped talking to him and that seemed to work pretty well um, for a couple of months. I had friends who were like, Oh, you know, forgive him. He really misses you. Um, you guys can be friends. And and I thought, no, I'm not ready. You know, I, I can't forgive him that quickly. And then um, a couple months later, I thought I was in a position where I could be friends with him. And so I tried to be nice, tried to be friends with him. And I don't really know how it happened, but we were kind of dating again. Um, and like I said, he, he was kind of manipulative. So I guess that's kind of how it happened. But um, and then I, I quickly learned that he was doing the same thing with somebody else at the same time. And so this time, instead of just saying, oh, I just need to cut him out, this time I said, okay, I'm going to be angry and I'm going to let myself hold on to that anger. And that's kind of where all my real troubles began um, because, you know, Satan will do that with us sometimes. He'll, he'll let us think that we're in control of something like, oh, just be a little bit angry and that will help you get through. Um, but once you let it take control, it takes control. Um, and so that, that kind of gets me to the point of where I needed to learn to forgive, but um, 
I couldn't do it. Like I had this whenever he was in my ward. And so whenever I saw him, I had this visceral reaction where I, I wanted to punch him in the face. Basically. I just, I wanted to harm him. I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't look at him. Um, and for months after that, the, um, the thing that I thought was the main issue was just that I was angry. I didn't think of it as I need to forgive him. I just felt of, I need to let this anger go. And that went on for um, five or six months. And I remember um, the general conference happening uh, the April of all of that. And Elder Uchtdorf gave a talk and he talked about basically just putting it all out there for the Lord. Pray to the Lord and let him know everything. Let him know what you're struggling with. Let him know what your weaknesses are. Um, and so I, um, I was up in, I'm in Virginia, by the way. So I go to the DC temple for now. And, um, I was up in Annapolis for work. And so I thought on the way home, I'd go to the DC temple and I would do what Elder Uchtdorf said. I would just let the Lord know everything that was going on with me. And, um, I was, I remember I was 37 miles away from the temple, which is not far (laughs) compared to what I'm used to. And it took two hours to get there. So by the time I got there, I was not in a place to spiritually to go into the temple. I was terrible road rage. I was just angry at everybody in the world. And so I didn't I didn't go in. But I did go around to some side steps at the temple. And I remember just sitting down. You know, no one's around. I sat down and I remember praying to Heavenly Father. And the, the prayer kind of just it started differently. I just prayed that I wanted to go home. And I didn't mean Richmond, Virginia. I didn't, I didn't mean going home. I meant being in the temple and being able to feel Heavenly Father's love for me again, because for months I couldn't feel it. And that was really the hardest part about the six months where I was trying to forgive was I couldn't feel what I had felt before in the past. I couldn't I didn't want to go to church. I went, but I didn't want to go because I felt like even Heavenly Father didn't want me there. Um, And so that had been really hard for me. And so at this point, I'm sitting outside of the temple, not feeling like I can go in because I'm so angry. And I remember feeling that the only reason I wasn't in the temple that day was because I wasn't doing what I needed to do to be there. And so then, of course, I started ugly crying outside of the temple. and Um, I prayed to Heavenly Father because I knew what I had to do. And I guess I knew all along what I had to do was forgive this guy. And um, so I prayed to him and I told him I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't forgive him. I I felt like I had tried and I couldn't do it. And I couldn't even look at the guy. And um, I basically that day learned to hand it over to the Lord to just tell him, I can't do this on my own, but you can help me do it. Like I had enough faith to know that he could help me, but I didn't have any faith in myself. Like, cause I had tried. And, and I think that one of the biggest lessons I learned is there are things that we cannot do on our own. We need heavenly father's help. And I've always been an independent person, always try to do things by myself. And so, um, so I handed it over to the Lord. And then two days later, I was asked to give a talk and I was like, okay, well, I can, this is part of the plan to help me forgive. Um, but the counselor in the bishopric, he didn't give me a topic. And I, can't, I don't work that way. <laughs> I need to have a topic. I can't do <laughs> things on my own. So, and I told him so. So we sat down and we talked and 
like I said, general conference had just happened. And I remember telling him how amazing Elder Holland is and how no matter what, you know, when he's talking, he's never met you, but you know, he loves you. And so the counselor said, well, there's your topic. And so I said, what's my topic? And he said, how to love people that you've never met. And my heart fell because I, I felt like loving people I'd never met was a lot easier than loving the people I knew. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's hard, right? Um, so I decided to change my topic since it was my topic anyway, I got to choose to charity and how to love those who have hurt you. And then I was like, well, now I need to figure out how to do it because I haven't done it yet. Um, but that kind of was the catalyst, I think, to helping me um, to forgive. And so I just immersed myself in in charity, a study of charity. Um, I even came across a quote from um, Virginia Pierce. I think that's uh, President Hinckley's daughter. I'm not sure. But I, I came across a quote from her where she said, something along the lines of people who harden their hearts against pain, um, they they cut themselves off from feeling the love of the Lord. And that resonated with me because that's what had been going on for several months. When, when you're full of anger, it blocks um, the ability of God's love to come through, like your ability to feel God's love. Because he was always there, but I couldn't feel him. Um, and so I just, just kind of, like I said, went into all this research into my talk and my topic. And then we had, um, we had state conference the week before my talk. And I remember sitting down in the congregation and members of my ward were up on the stand to sing. And he was one of them, the, the guy I wanted to punch in the face. And so he was up there and I looked, I remember looking at him and not having that reaction that I had had before about, you know, wanting to hurt him or not even being able to look in his direction and I didn't trust the feeling at first. I thought it was really cool. I hadn't been able to do that in six months. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, he, um, I mean, I, so I looked away and then I looked back and I still didn't feel that anger. And that was really exciting because um, I knew that I had forgiven. And then during conference, <laughs> during the state conference, it was said twice to have the courage to do what you know is right. And along with that, I had the prompting of, now you have to talk to him. And I did not like that at all. I did not like that prompting at all. Let, um, let me, let me well, go jump ahead. in here just because I feel like there's a, there's a lot of detail that... that oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, it's great. But so that we better understand the mountain that you're climbing here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in this relationship, you mentioned that you realize that you were becoming a different person and not in a good way, mm -hmm. right? Because every relationship changes us, but the goal is that yeah. it, changes, it makes us better. Mm -hmm. So tell me about how that realization started coming to be, you know, because I think a lot of people perhaps are in manipulative or destructive relationships, but don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, I guess like for me, like when I, when I went into that relationship, I felt, um, and and he even mentioned it, like one of the things he liked about me was that I was very strong spiritually. Okay. Um, and he was not. He had that. Um, he'd even said like he liked that people thought that about him, but that's not who he was. And, um, you know, he had a lot of. Uh, I don't want to go into his past and his sins, but he had a lot a lot of things that he had done in the past that were not good. 
And so I don't know if he thought that I could help him, but really he just kind of brought me down. Um, and so I had been very strong, independent. Um, and like I said, very, I felt spiritually strong and I just had started to, um, like I felt meeker, I guess, or I don't know if that's the word. Um, like I didn't feel as uh, good about myself. Um, I started to see myself as kind of a nuisance or like, I remember one time he told me that I, um, he thought that I was being intentionally difficult because I didn't understand something he said. So I tried to clarify and he was like, no, you, you just, you're trying to be difficult here. And he would do things like that all the time. Um, and he didn't really like value my opinion. If I shared an opinion about something scriptural wise, um, he thought that he understood it better than me or, or things like that. I don't know if that's making sense, <laughs> um, but it wasn't really something that I don't think I really noticed it while in the relationship. It was something looking back on it because like I said, I kind of have blinders on during the relationship, like, oh, all relationships are hard. Oh, you need to to learn to compromise and you need to learn your personalities to, you know, get them to work and stuff. And um, so I, I don't know, like, I feel like I kind of felt naive looking back <laughs> because yeah. I think sometimes when people, especially if you're older and single, you, you want to give every chance a good, good try. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I am, I'm married now. And I can just say that when I met my husband, I understood why everybody else had been wrong for me. I understood all the negative things about them because my husband was none of those things. Um, and so that was one of the added blessings. Like and after this whole ordeal, it was only like three months before I started dating my husband. Um, and it was just, it really helped me to see one, what a good guy he was. And we've talked about that before, about we both had really bad relationships before and it prepared us for each other because we knew what we didn't want mm -hmm. because of those bad experiences. But um, I think I'm getting off topic here, though. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely something that I looked back on and just realized that I had been depressed the whole time. Um, I mean, I would listen to I'd make playlists of breakup songs and I would listen to them all the time. <laughs> Yeah. I would break down crying in front of people, but I, I felt ashamed to tell anybody how bad this relationship was because I felt like it was my fault. Like I wasn't making it work. Um, and so I didn't tell anybody about it, but they knew I wasn't happy. People commented on it um, that I wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, I even had an ex-boyfriend <laughs> talk to me about it. Like, you're not as happy as you used to be. And, and I just broke down crying. I was like, I'm not happy but I still stuck with this guy for some reason. Um, sure. So it, when I say it wasn't a good relationship, it wasn't a good relationship. Um, yeah. I think that that's one of the tricks of the adversary is he tries to misapply truths because mm -hmm. three of the things, and, and I don't remember word for word what you said, but the three things that you said are true. Relationships are hard. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Relationships yeah. are hard. We need to learn to compromise. Yes, that is a true statement. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we need to make, we need to fit our personalities together. These are all yeah. three true statements, but misapplied. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and not that you were doing it, but that the adversary is, is okay. telling me, you know, when you are perhaps feeling, I don't know that this is right. It's, you know, he comes in and tries to get us to 
to do things that you can't argue against. Well, should I not compromise? Well, no, you should most yeah, likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's why, you know, I'm curious and I would love to hear it at some, you know, maybe later on, I'd love to get some advice from you of what would you tell a young person that is where you were X number of years ago, you know, in this middle relationship where they haven't met their knight in shining armor husband, who is not perfect, but is a, right. is a fantastic guy and is the right guy for you. And, you know, maybe they are, maybe they are a little bit older. Maybe they do have, you know, unfortunately, Aunt Ethel is saying, you've got to get married. You're going to be an old man. You know, you're feeling the pressure. What do yeah. you tell that person? Um, for me, like what I wish somebody had told me was to, well, one, read your patriarchal blessing. Um, that was big. And I don't think I had read it at all when I was in this relationship. But read that and read the promises that the Lord has made to you and believe in them. Because I always struggled believing that that would actually happen. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, it's generic enough. You know, like mine was generic enough. Some people have really specific ones. But mine was generic enough where I was like, well, you know, they said this, but that could happen to anybody kind of thing. And I I don't think I had as much faith as as I did the months following in my own patriarchal blessing. Um, now I definitely believe it. And if there's anything that hasn't happened yet, I know it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be be one thing. Um, and then honestly, like I had that warning from the Lord before entering that relationship. And so and I'm I don't know if it's because like I'm a nice person because he was sad when I tried to break it off and then we ended up dating. So I, I would say stand up for yourself. Always stand up for yourself because that other person's not you can't you can't expect somebody else to to do that for you. Um, you know, the, the guy in the relationship or even the girl, like some girls are like that, I guess. <laughs> um, and so stand up for yourself, trust your promptings from the Lord, um, and, and trust the Lord's promises for you. Um, because you may think, oh, I'm almost 30, so it's never going to happen, but you don't know when it's going to happen. The Lord has perfect timing and he's working on that person who is going to be perfect for you, you know? And like you said, like not perfect because nobody's perfect, sure. but, um, the perfect for you. The per- yes, the, the perfect for you. So I guess that's it. <laughs> I guess okay. that's my advice. Okay. I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you've now, you know, kind of going through the timeline, mm-hmm. you've broken up a couple of times, you've gotten back together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you at this point, are confident that this is not a healthy relationship yeah. that you want to get into or that, that you're in. Mm-hmm. I love that you said originally you just wanted the anger to go away, but you mm-hmm. hadn't yet realized or learned that you needed to forgive him. Yeah. Go deeper on that because that is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. Um go deeper on that like like how I realized that I needed to or go deeper on the anger or what what exactly do you want me to go deeper on I can do uh, it but sure <laughs> <I can't>. sure <laughs> how did you how did you start to forgive an individual and, and you already talked about this but but it's worth hearing a hundred times more because all of us struggle with it how did you go about starting out wanting to forgive and then and then taking it that next step and actually forgiving an individual that is 
still in your life and still potentially trying to manipulate and things like that. Because I feel like at sometimes it's easy to forgive it if the situation is done and over. Yes. (laughs) I have a jerk boss, but I quit. I don't work there anymore. And so Mm -hmm. I can forgive them kind of from a distance. Yeah, never see them again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This individual is still in your life. You're seeing them every week at church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I guess uh, for me, like, you know, it's, I, like I said, I chose to have the anger because I felt like that was the only way to get away from somebody who keeps getting me to do things I don't want to do. Uh, yeah. So I was like, if I'm angry, then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, and so I guess for me, was, the anger is what I noticed first that I wasn't in control like I thought I was. Um, and it was the, the feeling, the, the lack of the spirit that I was feeling. And that was very, even when I was in the relationship with him, I still had moments where I felt the spirit and stuff. I was still trying. Um, and I feel very fortunate that when I was younger, um, I, I knew no matter what I would go to church. I had a really great leader once who said that when she woke up and didn't feel like going to church, she wondered what does Satan not want me to hear? So when every day, every Sunday that I woke up and didn't want to go to church, I thought, well, what does Satan not want me to hear today? And I'd go to church and see what I could learn. Um, And really all throughout, I mean, it was almost immediate that I knew I wanted to get rid of the anchor. Um, It had done its job quickly, but it just stuck around. I was still going to institute. I was still doing all the things that I needed to do, reading my scriptures and praying. Um, I even got, I, I had a friend say like, well, have you gotten a blessing? Like for, cause how you're feeling, have you gotten a priesthood blessing? And so I, I got a priesthood blessing from, um, I made friends with this house of like four student guys. Mm-hmm. And so I asked them to give me a blessing after Institute wants. Um, but it was really, for me, it wasn't one instance and it wasn't any particular moment where I realized, um, I, I journaled the whole time because that's how I work out my feelings. And so I I remember rereading those journal entries and seeing the hand of the Lord in my life the whole way. So I couldn't feel the Lord's love for me, like personally, but like I mentioned, this house full of boys that I made friends with, um, they didn't know anything about my situation. I mean, they knew I was broken up because they were in the same ward, but they didn't know how hurt I was, what I was dealing with. And I would hang out at their house all the time because I always felt better when I was there. They were all worthy priesthood holders. Um, there was a spirit in their house that I enjoyed. And so I wanted to be there and they complimented me. I mean, every girl wants to be complimented, but it was especially after this relationship where they valued me just for who I was. They just loved having me there. And, um, looking back, I realized, um, so elder Holland talks about the second time he's been mentioned elder Holland talks about, um, ministering angels, uh, the heavenly kind and the mortal kind. And these were my four ministering angels because when I couldn't feel the Lord's love for me personally, they represented that love. Um, you know, none of them, it wasn't like any of them wanted to date me or anything. It was just this pure platonic love. And I could feel that love. And, and I realized after the fact that what I love so much about that, that that was the love of God coming through. So he sent people, he knew I, I couldn't feel him. So he sent mortal people so that I could have those experiences. And that was the whole time they were there. Um, the whole six months, 
Um, and so there was that. And then I remember going to the temple with my family. Like I said, we're in Virginia. So we made an overnight trip to the temple and we had these hotel rooms and we did temple work Friday and Saturday. And I was in the temple with my family. We're all dressed in white. And I remember thinking, this is what heaven will be like. And, um, and this is why you keep going. And that was just huge to me because so many times I thought, well, why do I keep doing this? You know, like why it's so hard. Why do I keep going? And that was my answer. Like, this is why, um, anyway, um, so there were, there were other experiences too, along the way, other blessings, friends, um, and yeah, I don't know if that answered it. <laughs> so it was perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so in this stick out now, you did a lot of homework on mm-hmm. how to forgive. I mean, you, you did a lot of work to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm interested to hear your comments on the idea that a lot of us feel like, okay, there's this wrong in my life and I want to forgive. I'm now at a point where I want to forgive. So I kneel down. I say the, the, the mentally difficult prayer of Heavenly Father, I want to forgive this person. Amen. And it's over. And now somehow I forgive them. That's not the case. There's a lot of work that goes in. There's a lot of work involved. Yeah. Like it felt almost instantaneous because I had said that prayer. I got the talk. And then, you know, before I gave the talk, it was, I just looked up and it was fixed, you know, but yeah, there was a lot of work the whole time. I mean, I was working the whole time studying, listening to conference talks and things like that. Um, and I remember, um, I'm going to quote Elder Holland again, <laughs> but Elder Holland did Laborers in the Vineyard and that talk. And he talked about, you know, when the, the laborers come at the 11th hour, but they get paid the same. And just kind of realizing that this person who had hurt me can still partake of the atonement. And that's difficult to swallow. <laughs> but knowing that that doesn't mean that I have any less or that the Lord's going to bless me any less because he also blessed this person who hurt me. And um, so, I mean, there were just lots of things like that, um, that popped up, you know, like whether in conference, cause I'm praying about this stuff or um, old talks that I listened to scriptures. I read just knowing that we're all, we're all children of God. We, the Christ died for all of us. Like, I think it's in the book, the peacekeeper, the peacemaker, peacekeeper. And they have a diagram in there about why we have to forgive everybody. And that's because Christ died for everybody. So when we refuse to give somebody else, forgive somebody else, we're not forgiving Christ, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. So like Christ is in the center. Um, and so if, if we're holding a grudge this way, we're actually holding a grudge against Christ and the other person's already been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, in the peacekeeper, <laughs> it uses the story in the Bible of Daniel and Abigail. And how she comes and says, um, remove the sin from me, the thing that her husband had done. Mm-hmm. And she says, remove this, the sin from me, like have mercy. And so she was a type of Christ um, taking on her husband's sins. And so that kind of helped it all kind of solidify for me that because I always knew you have to forgive. And I was finally understanding why I had to forgive. Why is the greater sin with me if I don't forgive? And it's because I wouldn't be forgiving Christ. I'd be telling him his atonement wasn't enough. Um, sense. 
how long ago has this how long ago uh, so long um it was about um 2013 so about 10 years ago okay have you ever because you know oftentimes in my experience if i wrestle with something whatever it is and uh the lord and i beat that thing it's not uncommon that maybe a couple years down the road the adversary takes another swing at it or something yeah. like that what have you done? First of all, any any experience like that? And second of all, what have you done to keep that for to, to fortify that forgiveness city, you know, like the like the Lamanite or Nephites did? Yeah. Um, well, I can definitely tell you just from what you mentioned, um, this wasn't the first time I had a difficult time forgiving somebody. Um, yeah. so I've definitely had that in the past, like high school and college, like there were just different times, and every time. I always thought, okay, I got it now. I've got forgiveness. I can learn something else now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's not the case. As you said, like the adversary comes back and he tries again. Um, so fortunately, I've not had anything similar <laughs> because I've not been dating because I'm married now. But I haven't had anybody try to manipulate me or anything. But like I do remember um, when my husband and I were first married, you know, like, you guys hurt each other's feelings and things like that. And instead of getting angry, I would allow myself to be hurt because I, I worried that the cause of my problems was that I chose anger instead of just dealing with the pain. And yeah. so I made sure that, okay, I just, I hurt and it's okay to hurt because it's way better than being angry. Um, and then also I had this reliance on the Lord by that point. And so I just didn't stop relying on the Lord. So if, if my husband and I had an argument and I felt he should say sorry first, <laughs> um, I would pray about it and I would pray, what should I do? And unfortunately, the answer was always go and apologize. It's his fault, <laughs> but I would go and apologize. <laughs> um, you didn't hear the prayer right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you heard the argument. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I would go and apologize, even if I felt like he should apologize first. I would do it and then he would apologize and then we'd be better. But if I had held on to that anger, you know, where would my relationship today be? Not just with my husband, but with the Lord. Uh, instead, I turned to the Lord and every single time, and I, I almost got to the point where I didn't have to pray anymore. I already knew the answer. It could be go and apologize. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> um, and now, you know, my husband does apologize first sometimes, but, but, um, but that really helped me. Um, and, and I, I'm glad that that was my first reaction instead of just sitting there and being angry and be like, oh, I hate him. You know, <laughs> like, instead I turned to the Lord and I asked, what should I do? And that's, I think for me, the biggest lesson I learned in all the whole situation is ask the Lord. Cause I remember, um, so like I said, at the very beginning, um, I had a prompting or a warning and I kind of ignored it. So by the time I started to date my husband, I was so scared <laughs> to do anything the Lord didn't want me to do. So I remember it was like third date, you know, we weren't talking about wedding or anything like that, but, um, third day, you know, I, I had my temple trip already planned and I went and I prayed about whether or not I should even date him because I was so afraid. And I just remember clearly hearing the words move forward with him. And I've never doubted since. Um, but that's to me, like the biggest blessing is that I have learned to rely on the Lord more fully. Um, so even though it was 
a bad situation. Um, what is the scripture? Um, the Lord will give beauty for ashes. I think, is that it? I can't remember. Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. But do you know what I'm talking about? Though? Yes, yes. Um, but basically, you know, even though it was all my fault, the Lord still turned it for my good. Um, like he, he blessed me and he helped me to grow along the way. Um, and he was there the whole way. Um, so that was, that was really cool. I love that whether in this situation or a number of other situations, when we receive a prompting and we choose to ignore it, the Lord doesn't say, okay, I'm never giving you another prompting again. You missed yeah. one shot at happiness. <laughs> yep. He doesn't. He says, okay, there, there are consequences and there are natural consequences, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I will, can, as long as you continue to come back to me and ask for promptings, I will prompt you. As long yeah. as you, you know, the forgiveness. Yeah. yeah no, and no matter how many times we do it, as long yeah. as we continue to try, that's what matters is we're still trying. Tell me, as we're wrapping up here, tell me how this entire experience has changed your relationship with Christ. Um, yeah, Uh, (laughs) I kind of feel like I've, I've, I don't want to be beating a dead horse or anything, but you know, just my reliance on Him, um, with with everything. Like I'm a I'm a mom now, and so I, you know, I lose my temper (laughs) and stuff every once in a while praying to change there and knowing that the Lord can change me because he's done it before. Like he changed me when I was super angry. He helped to change me. So I know that he can help me with all my weaknesses and deficiencies in being a wife or being a mom or being a friend or ministering sister, or uh, right now I'm a primary teacher. Like he can help me with anything. Um, And so I guess before you know, I, I had a testimony of Christ. I believed in Christ, but I'm not sure how much I believed Christ, like that he could do this stuff for me. The, you know, the, the scripture, um, nothing's impossible with the Lord is pretty, but I, I don't think I'd ever thought about having something impossible for me and learning that the Lord can help me with that. Um, so it really brought all these scriptures I had read all my life it really kind of brought them um, to life, I guess is the term. Um, I was able to apply them and to understand them on a, on a deeper level. Um, and I still feel that way. Um, I still am trying to learn more and more about Christ. Like I, every Sunday night, I just study. I think President Nelson had challenged everyone to study all the names of Christ or everything in the scriptures. So there's a manual called um, Learn of Me through one of the BYU professors. So I got that and I've been going through that and it's, is heavy read. (laughs) So I've been going through it very slowly, but, um, you know, she just lays out every scripture that mentions Christ, every scripture, uh, Christ is talking throughout all four, um, standard works. And so just trying to continue, uh, to, to grow closer to him and to not think I'm already there. Cause that's what I did with forgiveness before I was like, Oh, I'm done. You know, you're never done. So I, I just keep trying to remember I'm not done. There's more to learn. Um, and that's definitely something that's come from that experience is that there's always something more. Um, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Jessica, for sharing this experience. I mean, forgiveness is something that every single one of us wrestle with, whether it's in a relationship or employment or somebody hurts one of our kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
I really believe that 100% of us will wrestle with forgiveness in a very difficult personal way. Yeah. I really I agree. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.